And this is a very special time of the year when we celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth. Like Bethany was sharing earlier, we are, um, we are not only celebrating that he came, but also we have the expectancy that he's coming back. Amen? So you may have opened a door on an advent calendar this morning. How many of you have opened a wee door and a bit chocolate? Come on, people. Don't be so boring. Come on. You can do better next week. All right? You need some chocolate, you know? You need some calories for winter. Hallelujah. You will not hear a pastor preaching this any other place. You need chocolate. <laughs> you need chocolate. Come on. Um, but, but why? You know, why, why do we open a wee window or a, a wee little door in, a, in an advent calendar? What is it all about? Well, as we said last week, and I will be repeating the same introduction in the next few weeks, the word advent comes from the Latin adventus and means arrival or coming. So during the season of Advent, we remember the arrival of Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, as a baby. We also look forward to his second coming, as Bethany was saying before. And this time, this Advent uh, period, is a time of expectation. It's a time of hope. It's a time of celebration. Amen? We celebrate Jesus' birth, but we also celebrate the hope that Jesus Christ has given us through salvation. And for this very reason, we use an Advent wreath, which is full of symbolisms. And Chema will put that in a minute there for us through the magic of technology. So if you have seen one of those wreaths, they are made with evergreens and twisted into a circle, representing the promise of eternal life through salvation and God's unending love. Sometimes holy leaves are used, which represent the crown of thorns that Jesus wore on the cross. And then red berries are often used to symbolize the blood of Jesus Christ. The candle or the candles that are lit in the weeks leading up to Christmas celebrate that Jesus, who is the light of the world, he came to this world to bring light into the darkness. During the four Sundays leading to Christmas, we will light a candle each week. So last week was the first candle, which was the prophet's candle. And, and the symbolism is hope. Uh, today, which is the second advent, is the Bethlehem candle, symbolizing faith. The third advent is the shepherd's candle, symbolizing joy. And the fourth advent is the angel's candle, symbolizing peace. Um, different church tradi traditions will have different order or even different um, names. For example, in some traditions, instead of celebrating faith today, they celebrate love. But um, basically, we are going with the, with the oldest tradition, I believe, of hope, faith, joy, joy, and peace. So, as I said last week, we celebrated the first Advent, which, so we lit the candle of hope, which represents the patriarchs like Abraham of the Old Testament, um, the prophet's candle. So we lighted the first one. But this candle um, reminds us that we have hope because Jesus came to this earth, and hope that we may live forever with God if we just believe in Him. Now, this is the second week of Advent, and we light the candle of faith. It's called the Bethlehem candle, representing the preparations Mary and Joseph made for the journey to Bethlehem for the census. So through the magic of technology, we're going to light the second candle. Yeah. Thank you, guys. That's fantastic. Good timing, too. So, um, as I said before, uh, Joseph and Mary, they were getting ready for this journey, right? 
they followed the laws of the Romans and went to Bethlehem, the home of Joseph, in order to register. They did not know if they had anywhere to stay, food to eat, and in addition, Mary was about to give birth. Now, that requires faith, a lot of faith. All right? So let's just have a word of prayer, and let's ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for, for who you are. Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have to be here today, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this nation, for this country. We thank you, Lord, that we can enjoy freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. And Lord, we thank you, and we pray for our brothers and sisters who are struggling in, in countries where the Christian faith is persecuted. Some of our brothers and sisters just to do something similar to what we are doing here, or even just owning a Bible, could cause them to, to be fined or put in prison or even to death. So Lord, we pray for the persecuted church around the world, and we don't neglect remembering our brothers and sisters who are mighty generals of the faith, holding their ground and preaching the hope that Jesus Christ gives to this world. Lord, we thank you, and Lord, we pray also for the church in Scotland. We pray for our brothers and sisters. We pray for every single church in town and in this nation, Lord, every pulpit where your word is preached faithfully. And Lord, we pray also for us. We ask you, Lord, for you to speak to us this morning, to, Lord, to lead us, to touch our hearts this morning, that you will help us to leave this room today, Lord, with a fresh understanding of who you are and your purpose for our lives. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Mary and Joseph are preparing for this journey. And they have a lot of obstacles in front of them. And then they apply this faith. You know, faith is, is, is stepping out when things are not already there before us, isn't it? And um, as I said, they didn't know exactly if they will have a place to stay. They didn't know if they will have uh, food to eat. And, and Mary was about to give birth. Something that amazed me about them is that they were following the law of the land, the law of the Romans in this particular case. And I, I, I quite admire that because sometimes we get this wrong understanding that in order, in order for us to be Christians, we have to be rebellious or we have to be against the flow and we have to go against the government and things like that, which is not true. They were fulfilling the law of the land. The only thing that separates you and I from the world is God's saving grace is holiness. Holiness means to set apart. Set apart for him. Set apart to do his work. You know, we are saved by grace to do good works. If you see the primitive church, primitive church was, has good testimony, and they were fulfilling the law of the land. I hear so many Christians thinking that by going against everyone, they are more spiritual, and that's not true. Okay, I want to make it very clear. It's very important that we abide in the law of the land and that we fulfill the laws and we pay our taxes better than anyone else. We should be a light and an example to the world. I mean, a lot of people, they try to show their holiness, if I could say that in a different way, but God is calling us to be, um, to be planted and rooted in the land where he has planted us and we can shine from there. Now, 
when we see challenges, or when we are like Joseph and Mary addressing a, a journey before us, many times we only see the problems that lie in front of us and we think that we just can make it. Have you ever been in that situation where the journey ahead of you, it seems almost impossible, right? And you see, you see all the negatives, you see all the obstacles, and we forget to put our faith in God. But you have to understand that faith, the word faith in, in the original language in the Greek is pistis pistoio. And faith means believe and trust. That's what faith is. I think John was mentioning that in the prayer meeting last week or this week. Um, what is faith? Well, sometimes when you come across that word, faith, in the Bible, just change, change it for believe or trust. If that helps you, if that helps you to understand it better. But it's very important that we understand that we need the two of them. Faith is to believe and faith is to trust. Sometimes believing is not just enough. Even the Lord Jesus says, even the demons believe in God and tremble. The fact that you believe in God doesn't mean that you are right with God. The fact that you believe that there is a God doesn't mean that you are in peace with Him. This is very important for, to, for us to understand. We have to believe and we have to trust. I do believe in every single word of the Bible. But when I go through challenges myself, it is my choice to ignore it or stand on it. That's to trust. To trust in God's promises. And we were talking about hope last week. But this week it's important for us to understand that faith is something that is active. Right? I not only believe it. I don't only believe it, but I'm going to walk. I'm going to live according to what I believe. This is what Jesus Christ is telling us. Okay? The importance of putting our trust, our belief in God. Just like Mary and Joseph we need to have faith that God will provide for our needs. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, she was afraid at first. It's normal. He's an angel. Goodness me. Have you ever seen an angel? I will freak out. She was surprised. But then she stepped out on faith and acknowledged that God had called her for a purpose. And I would like to share that passage with you. That's, that will be the passage, a couple of verses, where I want us to, to meditate. In Luke chapter 1, verses 37 to 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 37 to 38. And by the way, before Chema put it up here for us, we need to understand that this Advent season, we're going to be dealing a lot in, 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 the, in the first and the second chapter of Luke, Okay. The, the, the main events are happening there. So here, in Luke chapter 1, verse 37 and 38, it says, For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Even though all the odds were against her, think about this, her pregnancy, her future marriage, 
this trip to Bethlehem, she still had faith that God will never fail her. From that moment on, she turned her life over to God and His will for her, for her life. As we light today this light, this, this candle of faith, we are acknowledging that God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We just need to have faith. Now, when we think about faith, faith is something that comes from God. If you don't have enough faith, the Lord says, ask, ask, ask your father. He will give you. He will give you faith. He says, um, what a good father, if your son asks you for bread, you will give him a stone. Or if your son asks you for an egg, you will give him a serpent. You know, we who are normal, sinful people, we give good gifts to our kids, don't we? Especially in Christmas time, right? How much our Father who loves us, He will give good gifts to those who ask Him. And this is a wonderful promise, a wonderful, a wonderful um, promise to hold, knowing that He is with us, that He will never leave us, that He will never forsake us. But then faith has also to be put to the test. So many of you remember a message I shared a few weeks ago, and um, I think we were talking about that in our Bible study also this week. You remember that passage where Genesis 22, where God tested Abraham. Remember that? That was test. Ooh, we don't like tests, do we? That's the first time in the original language, in the Hebrew, where the word test appear in the whole Bible. And then we see God asking this weird thing to Abraham, sacrificing his son, his only one, the one he loved. He actually had another son, but he wasn't the son of the promise. That's a weird thing because we, we knew before that, that God has forbidden everyone to sacrifice their kids like the pagans were doing. So what a weird thing. What is God trying to do here? What is God doing? And we see, of course, at the end of that chapter that we have this sort of Hebrew word that most of us know, Jehovah Jireh, the name of God, Jehovah Jireh, which is actually Adonai Chireh, which means God will provide or God provides, right? So unfortunately, so many of us, we live that kind of Christianity. We, you know, we, we go through a test, something that takes us out of our comfort zone, and then all of a sudden, we are just praying. We are desperate for God to provide, to get me out. I have a need. I have to pay a bill. And all of a sudden, Lord, please provide so I can get out of the problem. The word test is the first time that word appeared in the original language in the whole Bible. Genesis 22. The first time. The first appearance. But the word provision appears also for the first time in the whole Bible in Genesis 22. And sometimes we base our life in a life of tests and God getting me out. I have a challenge. God, please provide. But God is doing something even more interesting than that. Because there are other three words that appear also for the first time in Genesis 22. And those words are words that we sometimes ignore, but they're extremely important. And these words are the word love. I mean, how important is love? The concept, the word, love, in the whole Bible for the first time appears in Genesis 22. 
the Lord says to Abraham, take your son, your only one, the one you love. Then later on, we see that um, Abraham is, is going, he arrives to the mountain, he's going to go up in the mountain with his son, and then he says to his servants, he says, stay here, I'm going to go up with the boy and worship, and I will come back. We will, sorry, and we will come back. He's not saying, I'm going to be, I'm going to go there, and then I will come by myself, but he says, I'm going to go up there, and we will return, in plural. And that word, worship, appears for the first time in Genesis 22. Not only, what's the first word? Love, but also worship. And then there's another word that appears for the first time in Genesis 22 in the original language in the Hebrew, which is obedience. The Lord said to Abraham, because you've been obedient and you've done what I told you. And then the Lord, of course, provided for the sacrifice and Abraham didn't have to go through what God originally told him to do. It was a test. It's clear from the very beginning, from the beginning of the chapter. And after these things, God tested Abraham. So I want to encourage you with this, because faith steps in here. When we go through a test, and we, we of course, we know that we just want to get out as soon as we can. We don't like the, the, the pain. We don't like the transition. We want God to get me out, please, quickly, as quickly as you can. You know, I remember when I was a, a teenager and I realized I was impatient and I need patience. And I would pray and I would say, Lord, give me patience right now. We want patience now. We want things now, Lord. Respond now. Get me out. I don't want to be uncomfortable. But God, the amazing thing about God is that he's more interested in our character than our comfort. Sometimes he will make you uncomfortable so he can keep on developing your character. So, a big one here. Be careful if you are too comfortable in your Christian walk because something is missing there. God is constantly shaping us. He's constantly putting us in situations of test and in the process of getting out and, 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 and the Lord providing for us, he's developing three other things. Our love, our worship, and our obedience. God is love. So when we talk about God developing our love, he's actually developing our, his character in us. He's becoming himself. He's becoming real in the life of the believer. But also he's developing our worship. What is worship? Worship is intimacy with God. Why is that important? Psalm 95 talks about the fruit of worship. And the fruit of worship is rest. Shalom. When we are in the presence of God. <sighs> Have you been in a long journey? Have you been uncomfortable? Full of problems and worries and stress and anxiety? And then all of a sudden you have that encounter with God where you worship Him and you surrender. And then all of a sudden, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding comes and keeps and guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Shalom. Peace. Hallelujah. Lord, I get it now. I surrender. I surrender. God wants to develop that intimacy in your life and in my life. 
Mary and Joseph, they have to be obedient. They have to surrender a lot of things. They have to do what they have to do. And they trusted in the Lord. They have faith. But also, of course, we have that process of obedience. Obedience is we go through a test, and then we don't try to get out of that test in our own, although we could do it, or we think we could, but in the process, we are trusting in God. In the process, we realize, I better do this in God's way. Have you ever been in that, in that, in that type of situation where you think, I can sort this out myself? I got the experience, the contacts, or the money, or the connections. I can do this myself. But then you have that warning in your heart, isn't it? And you feel like, I better don't. I <laughs> see so you laughing. I better don't. I better let God deal with this. Right? Now remember this. Talking about Abraham again. He tried to help God. God gave him a promise when he was 75 years old. And he says, I'm going to give you a son. And I will multiply your, your um, descendants on this earth. You will hardly be able to count them. And he was wondering, okay, 75. <laughs> My wife, she's not getting any younger neither. And actually she was barren. Which means she couldn't have babies. And then 25 years later, 25 years later, the promise came. The fulfillment of the promise came. Sometimes God will promise you something, but the fulfillment of that something will happen later on in life when you are ready to receive it. In the meantime, don't try to help God. Don't try to help God. Abraham tried to help God and look at the mess that we are in. He tried to help God and he shouldn't do that, right? If God has a spiritual purpose for our lives, we shouldn't try to solve it in a fleshly way. Is that correct? Is that the right word? In a fleshly way? In our own strength? In our human abilities? Because if the promise that God has given us is supernatural, believe me, believe me, you will not be able to achieve that in your own strength, in your own capability. Just cool down. Just rest and allow God to take over. That's faith. Trusting. Knowing that although you don't see it, Although you don't know how it's going to happen, he will do it. That's what Mary said last week. <laughs> At least that's what we were preaching last week. How is this, gonna, how is this possible? When the angel came and said, Mary, you're going you're gonna to conceive, you're going you're gonna to have a baby. And she says, all right, how? That's not lack of faith. That's not saying it's impossible what you're saying. What she was saying is like, all right, I get it. I just don't understand how it's going to happen. Could you please enlighten me, Mr. Gabriel? And he says, yes. The Holy Spirit will shout open you, over you. And, and then he explains what is going to happen. She says, okay. And then the verse that we just read today. I am the Lord's servant. Let his word be fulfilled in my own life. I want to encourage you this morning. How many times... We are put in a situation where God gives you a promise and you are like, that sounds fantastic. Now, how is that going to happen exactly, Lord? Well, when we ask the question with irony and doubt, like the same story that we last week, that's when the Lord says, okay, you're going to be mute for a while. 
until, until John is born, John the Baptist, right? But the amazing thing here is Mary wasn't doubting. Mary was like, Lord, I'm intrigued. How is this going to happen? That's an, that's an okay question. So when God does something in your life and gives you this incredible promise and you don't even know how to how that is going to happen, Lord, yes, Lord, do whatever you want to do in my life. I have no idea how you're going to do it. I've been in situations where in my own personal life or in my ministry where I had an important, big, massive need and I pray for, for God to supply for that need, whatever it was. And at the beginning, I freaked out. I was afraid in my early ministry. And I will, Lord, how are you going to do this? And, and I will. And then later on in life, you realize that, Lord, I'm really looking forward. How are you going to do it again? You see that? That's, that's experience. That's, that's intimacy. That's relationship. Lord, I know that you're going to do something. I know I don't have it. I know I cannot produce it. So I'm going to sit down here and make some popcorn and just see how you're going to display this amazing show. Because you've got something in store for me that I know I cannot produce. You see, this is, this is what Mary was saying. Okay, how is that going to happen, Gabriel? Well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive. So what you have inside is actually the Son of God. It's not made for human or, or male will. It's actually the will of God. And that, him, will be called the Son of God. And she says, okay, that's what I need to know. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, it's an incredible story. I am the Lord's servant. What shall I say? I'm the Lord's servant. If that's what God wants to do in my life, I'm ready Wow, what, what faith. And then not only that, she knows, you know, she's quite big now. And she, poor thing, could not walk very well. And she has to pee every five minutes. <laughs> Get me down with the donkey again, Joseph. I need to go find another bush. Not again, Mary. Can you imagine this? I mean, we, we love the, the nativity, but that was very real. It was a nasty road. It was, you know, and every five minutes she has to come down off the donkey and find a bush, poor lady. And she's walking and she's about to give birth and she's, she's walking in faith. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm, I'm just trying to say that was a woman of faith. She was a woman of faith. You know, we picture, you know, all the nativity cities is always the same. You know, she's wearing something blue, right? You know, Joseph with a lovely... Um, beard, he was a hipster with, you know, it's, it's, it's lovely, isn't it? The nativity said, but these were difficult times, hard times. They were, the Bible says that they were fulfilling the law of the Romans, the oppressors, the conquerors, and they're going to Bethlehem all the way to register for the Romans. And they're going there, and she's nine months pregnant. And that's faith. It's not that different to what you and I go through. You see, when we idealize the Jesus nativity set thing, we think that you know, they have this glow. 
that we don't have. Listen to me. It was nasty. It was real. It was like the same things that you and I go through. But she says, <laughs> I am the Lord's servant. And every word that God is going to be fulfilled. That's a woman of faith. In your life and in my life, when we go through difficulties, just remember those few words. I am the Lord's servant, and every word that God has said is going to be fulfilled. What an amazing, what an amazing promise. Hallelujah. I mean, with a promise like that, it's not difficult to be faithful, right? It's not difficult to have faith. Lord, give me faith. You remember that father that asked Jesus to heal his son? Lord, heal my son, he said. And then Jesus says, if you believe, it can be done. And what did that father say? <laughs> I love this one. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. What an amazing prayer also. When the Lord asks us, do you know it can be done? Yes, I do. But help my unbelief. This part of me that believes... And this help of me that I'm not very sure. That's to be real. That's to be human. And the Lord says, the Lord was blown away. A God that cannot be surprised was blown away by that faith. Yes, Lord. It's about, it's about being real. You know, with God, it's not about being perfect. We dress up, you know, we want to look good and we want to do our prayers and do all the candles and all the, the things and, and be real. God says it's about being real. I know Christians that they try to be holy by becoming legalistic about things. You know? And they blame most of the time to the women. I don't know why. Don't wear makeup, long hair, skirts. You cannot wear trousers. All these legalistic things. Men cannot wear a watch. They can have a thousand pounds iPad instead of a Bible on service. Like that big, but they cannot wear a watch because that's pride. And all this foolishness. But then when the service is over and they're having a coffee, they're criticizing one another and their tongue is longer than a soccer field. Where's the holiness there? It's not about, it's not about how holy we look. It's about being real with God. Sometimes we, 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 we sort of limit ourselves to all these regulations and all these traditions and all these things. What for if there's not a real communication? What for if, if, if God is not real in my life? What for if we don't say, I am the Lord's servant? Every single word of God will be fulfilled in my life. This is what God wants from us. Hallelujah. Don't stress out about Looking perfect. Let me tell you, we will never look perfect. In this world, we will never be perfect. We will always deal with something. But God says, be of good cheer. Don't put yourself down. Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And that's faith. That's faith. When we can come before the Lord and say, Lord, I am your servant. Lord, every single word that you said is going to be fulfilled. Lord, fulfill your will in us. Now, faith has to be put to the test like Abraham. 
But the Bible says that if you will have seed, sorry, if you will have faith like a mustard seed, which is the smallest, the smallest of all the seeds, it's not about how big your faith is. It's about your willingness to put that little seed on the ground and let it die. In other words, it's not a seed anymore. It becomes a plant that becomes a tree that produces many more seeds. Faith has to be put to the test. And faith in our lives has to, if I can put it like that, die. We have to take our cross every single day. Faith is taking your cross every single day and believing in God. And when we allow that seed to be lonely and moist and dark, there's some certain conditions, perfect conditions, so it becomes alive. Sometimes you may feed in a dark place, in a dry land, or in a moist land, <laughs> like Scotland, it's raining all the time, especially the last few weeks, the last few days. Sometimes you feel lonely, but God says, if you have enough faith, like a tiny little mustard seed, I'm going to make you not just another seed, but a tree, the biggest of all. This is faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lord, I want to have more faith. Shall we, shall we pray together? Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you for the foolishness of preaching. That miracle which is clay talking to clay about the potter. Lord, we need you. We recognize that we have a dependency on you. We recognize, Lord, that without you we cannot do much. And we recognize, Lord, that without you we cannot please you, Lord. We cannot walk. I often say that Christianity is impossible without the Holy Spirit. We need you, Lord. We need your guidance. We need your word that we can nurture every day. We need our relationship with you to be spot on in terms of that we can come and pray and, and, and be connected with you, Lord. Lord, you're not looking for that human perfection. That's, that's not what you're looking after. But what you're looking after is a, a broken and a contrite heart which means humbled and repented. A heart that understands that we cannot trust ourselves. A heart that understands that we have tried many times in the past and we have failed miserably. Lord, this morning, we want to put our trust in you. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And this morning, we love you. We worship you, we adore you, and we want to say exactly the same words that Mary said. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Shall we pray that prayer this morning, guys? Shall we say that together? For no word from God will ever fail. 
I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. One more time. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Hallelujah. 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 There's a, an old song I was reminded. I think it's in the, even in the same key that the music that Shema was putting in the background. says, God will make a way where it seems to be no way. You remember that one? God will make a way. The Bible describes that like He's going to open a, a way in the middle of the desert. That He's going to plant an oasis in the middle of a dry land. God will make a way where it seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. Hallelujah. Lord, make a way. Help us to be people of faith. You made a way for Mary and Joseph. It wasn't the conventional one. They have no place in the hotel, Lord. And they have to do what they have to do in a, in a, in a very unconventional way. But you were there. The shepherds were there. Star came over there. Those wise men came there. You focus in that tiny, humble place the whole future of humanity. Hallelujah! Woo! In that little humble place, in that manger, the whole of humanity started all over. The new Adam was born. The new king was born. The one who was born under the law to fulfill the law. Hallelujah. To bring hope. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, indeed. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Thank you, Jesus. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. I will ask Lauren to, to come and, and close here for us. God bless you.